Did you know that BDSM and kink are healthy outlets for aggression, imagination, and attention? Hi, welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness. My name is Dana Shergel, and I am a sexual wellness instructor that dives deep into all things kinky. I'm here to show why kinky sexual wellness deserves a rightful spot within the wellness conversation. So let's talk about it. Hi, and welcome back to The Partition. Today is a very special episode as we are welcoming back Megan Millington Mm -hmm. for our second episode. How are you doing? How are you? Oh, excited to be back. The first one was amazing. It's going to be so good, too. I'm so excited because today we're talking about sexual wellness sabotage, which has got to be one of my favorite topics. So today we're going to be going through just sexual wellness sabotages that we know and that we've learned and experienced. So I can start. Um, One that I really find that's popular is the Netflix um, documentary that came out about the OM meditation Mm -hmm. and One Taste. Mm -hmm. So I originally was looking for that podcast, or sorry, that documentary, because I had watched a previous documentary with the same title about how Pfizer had put out a basically hysteria in the states about how women could not orgasm and they were putting that off and saying oh we have the pills we have this they have that so when I saw that Netflix was doing another documentary I thought it was going to be about Pfizer so when I saw that it was about basically in my opinion decredit like decrediting this person for uh Things like I really just kind of came back to financial things, and people like felt very bitter. Bitter when I watched that film, that the people on it were just complaining about not really what it was about. And so my biggest thing about sexual wellness sabotage is any chance and opportunity that they have, they will find one problem in a sexual wellness practice or lifestyle, and then use it almost as a uh as an example of oh you shouldn't do this because it's so bad look at this one example over here and that was definitely one of it because the own practice really is just stroking the clip for 15 minutes Mm -hmm. at the bare bones of it Mm -hmm. so i don't know if you've heard of that one before or if you have any thoughts or you did say that you watched it so yes first of all female sexuality is looked through a medical lens this is just how we introduce ourselves to female sexuality but also that it's a problem to be solved and the funny part is around Pfizer looking at I don't know if it was Pfizer or was it Pfizer that did that there did was or another or there company was, or, or, I started the documentary I think was about another company yes. and then it spiraled into Pfizer was the bigger of the company that was putting it out yeah so, so the pharmaceutical industry that uh, were looking at a pill to solve the problem but the funny part is is it actually won't solve the problem because female sexuality is so much more in depth than just taking a pill so it became such a mystery. And then when you talk about the, the documentary, it's like it really just highlights the OM, the OM uh, and One Touch documentary. It highlights the legacy that lives inside of a female body, which is your orgasm is scary and dangerous. Your body is scary and dangerous. Your blood and your periods are scary and dangerous. And menopause is scary and dangerous. Your whole body and everything about you from birth to death is horrible and a medical problem. So, like, do you really think that you're going to want to, like, connect to your body? And you're living in it. So I totally um, feel you on on the way that media and these documentaries and what they choose to uh, put out there for someone to receive inward, as opposed to like the positive benefits mm-hmm. of 
learning about the clitoris, stroking the clitoris, having an orgasmic meditation and feeling the sensations throughout your body and what benefits that can do for you. Well, even to that point, like uh, the education, it shouldn't be so hard as to show or to say, hey, this area of your clit, why don't you focus on that instead of penetration? It really comes down to one sentence. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to a lot of the sexual wellness sabotage things that I look at, I do feel like it's, it is on purpose. Like yes. there's, I'm not, I cannot sit here and say that after seeing article after article, documentary after documentary, that this isn't something that someone's not using to mass control the society through sexual obedience and sexual control on some level or lack of education mm-hmm. can also be controlling. Yeah. Because we just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so do you find that, um, I don't know, like what was your opinions on it after you watched it? Did you like the film or anything? Yeah, so I I love what you're mentioning around even just the lack of information or a certain type of information. It shapes your behavior and how you operate in what level of awareness and attention you put on to your body and how you live your life. Uh, which then also either atrophies parts of your nervous system and you cut off your ability to connect to your overall sense of wellness and wholeness. So yeah, absolutely. Like what we see and what is projected out in front of us or displayed to us as information uh, creates a behavior change. When I watched the documentary, there's a couple things that I have opinions on based on where I come from in my schooling and uh, where where I approach sexuality on a holistic way is that, um, first of all, yes, it really is focusing on uh, a particular danger that can happen in sexual wellness spaces. It can. I think that it's important to mention that sexual wellness spaces is a gray space. Yes. Because there's a lot of... Um, like, who's in the wrong? Like, it's a sex worker who puts herself in danger or the person that did it? Like, there's arguments on both sides. Yeah. And I, I've actually seen this in other tantric places. Watched a documentary out of one in Thailand, and the instructors there were saying, we take it with a grain of salt that this is there is some danger to this. And yes. so I think people need to understand that sex can be dangerous, especially with BDSM and kink, and when people see it, I think there is danger to to that as well just by hurting yourself not even mentally but like physically hurting yourself if you do things wrong yeah yeah i think that sexuality is uh one of the uh most repressed um and oppressed parts of our humanity and so it's quite layered and so it's hard to just kind of say one thing or one way about it but what i can say and what my opinions are is that uh, when we're feeling so disconnected from our sexuality, it's quite easy for us to put over our sense of uh, personal empowerment over into the hands of another. And we forget that we're all human beings. And this is why I love the, the sacred arts of Tantra because Tantra teaches that you are your own being and you are almost like self-responsible in how you are creating awareness of your whole self your your mind your body your spirit your emotions everything of that nature and so what can sometimes start out as a positive space where people and for an example this documentary people are coming together reclaiming their sexuality uh you know learning about the clitoris like at that time people still i i at that time in literature and books and 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 medical literature they didn't even have a proper diagram of what a uh, clitoris was so it's like people are reclaiming themselves they're coming into this community space they're doing these things over time sometimes the humanity can come in and if we don't keep ourselves in check 
dangerous things can happen where people maybe you know might want to monetize in certain ways or do certain things whether that happened I don't know but yeah we do want to say that yes there can be bad things or uh, terrible things that can happen in that space but not to completely discredit what is needed mm -hmm. for sexual reclamation and like to highlight that aspect of it solely mm -hmm. terrifies people and makes people think that, oh, I don't want to go into tantric spaces or I don't want to discover more about my body because there will just be someone there that will, you know, take my money, harm me, hurt me. And, um, you know, I know that we, you know, had this conversation um, around uh, the way that sometimes film and movies can be portrayed using uh, music and editing yeah. to give you this impression and to evoke emotional experience. I mean, that's the art of film mm -hmm. and documentary. It's like, it's a space where you go to actually, it's actually one of the only places outside of Tantra that you get to openly go and freely experience your emotions. Yeah. And so you're watching this documentary and you're, whoa, I'm, uh, these emotions are evoking, this is dangerous, da da da. And then you imprint, oh, sexuality clitoris and going into these spaces or discovering my sexuality is dangerous, wrong, because I'm feeling these emotions as I'm watching this documentary mm -hmm. and I'm being told these things. So, well, to that, like, I don't know if most people know this, but the person that made Netflix is like the great nephew of Sigmund Freud or something like that. Like wow. he's got, and he's also a great nephew of some other, um, he was a propagandist like during World mm -hmm. War II. So when you wow. start looking at the roots of where Netflix actually came from, um, these are all facts before anybody comes at yeah. me. Um, <laughs> yes, like you really have to sit there and question what type of documentary you're watching yes. and where these documentaries are coming from. Again, we mentioned in the last episode, who's funding these documentaries just as much as who's funding the studies. And when I look at some of the documentaries that come out, I find it so eerily scary because people just assume, oh, this is a documentary. This must be all fact with absolutely no bias to it at, like whatsoever. But then when you see who created Netflix, what it's getting used for, who actually owns it, their sponsors, they're all of these things, and then they're putting out such a weird message. Yeah. Um, I personally can't help but sit here and think, okay, this has to be for some reason. Now, what would the yeah. reason be? Yeah. And I think that people can easily be controlled once they are disconnected from their sexuality because you're right like it, it is them it is part of them a lot of it comes from your sex like empowerment standing your boundaries getting to know what you like and don't like kind of creating your own life and carving out your own path of whatever that might be mm -hmm. but I can't yeah I just I can't help but watch and be like wow people's watching this and they're feeling these things and it's so wrong and they won't know mm -hmm. yeah do, do you have a contradiction that you've learned since going through your training well I mean some things that come up for me around contradictions around sexuality is that um uh, well first of all there's the medical literature where um there isn't enough information on what the arousal and orgasmic experience is mm. and then just saying that sex is good and you should have that in partnership but not including what a female body uh, experience is in sexuality and what that does to the detriment but then saying that it you know if it's not happening then there's something wrong there so not supporting the ability to be able to have um, the uh, type of intimacy and sexuality that's needed and there's not there 
the there's not information around that so readily available unless you you know get a recommendation from the few books that are out there mm-hmm. that, to help with that but I would say that where I mostly find it and really kind of touches my heart is when I'm in collaborative spaces where we're moving the body, that movement of the body people are quite terrified to do of. So we talk about how, you know, um, we see in movies and we're shown these different experiences of be creative and like be a rock star and like move your body and like yeah like this is the way you do it but it's like in reality a lot of people really struggle with that and you wonder why and it's like well because there's this message that moving your body is it will come stems from religious texts but is demonic like moving your body sounding your voice like the orgasmic experience was labeled as something that is evil wrong dangerous Mm. so we carry that inside of our body but when we are actually in ecstatic dance for an example we're sounding we're moving we're gyrating our pelvis we're moving our entire body so it's like i find this contradiction where it's like be this like elaborate wonderful creative speaker and being on stage but just make sure that you're like straight bodied and like you know only kind of moving in a linear way and don't be too expressive and you know these different kinds of things the other contradiction i find really interesting that i just find um in the clients that i work with and what i what i notice is like you know telling a woman like be sexual but not too sexual like, you know, um, uh, have a voice, but not too much of a voice. It's just like, okay, well, what do you want? Like, what is okay? Like, I don't understand what that, what that is. So I would say those are probably the things that really stand out for me and, and contradictions. Yeah. Well, to your point about like partners, like have as like have sex with your partner. It's like, uh, one thing I don't agree with now in Western is something I used to, I feel like be part of is that whole Friday night, Saturday night hookup culture that mm. goes on and on and how we have magazines that comes out and say, this is how you can get a partner. This is how you can get this. And it's on both sides. Like women have magazines, men have mag- like, it's like here, how to get a girl, how to get a partner, how to get this, but go ahead and have sex with people you just met. And mm-hmm. then we have these you go and you do that, and I feel like how you cannot be satisfied with that on, I think, from a female standpoint. As much as you think and you've been told, hey, if you hook up with this random person, you will feel better, and even if that might be the case for a few people, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but I feel like overall, the, from what I hear and what I get feedback from and some of the stats that are coming back out, it's it's not helping you. Because even, I've said this before, but you could go over to someone's house and fully expect to have sex with them. You walk in the room and you go, oh, I don't want to even have sex in this room. Like, this is bothering me and that's bothering me or this is just not the right environment. And then it becomes this really awkward situation for everyone involved. But I feel like with women, it gets into a really hard spot where you can't really back out. You, you can get backed out, but you feel like you can't back, yes. back out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I first want to say that sexuality is quite dynamic and, uh, you know, everyone's experience of it is, is quite unique. And that there is a place and an experience to have if you're intentional with your hookup. So, like, let's mm. say you're you're wanting to hook up, but the reason why you're doing it is because you just want to feel how the pleasure and the intimacy collides with another and movement the amount of people that go in with that intention of just like i just want to see and play and move and i know my boundaries and i know how to use my voice and to figure out how to get out or to go in or you know whatever 
Um, that's another question around, you know, is that person able to do that? I would say that, and, and, that, and that's a beautiful experience. And I mean, there's obviously um, different levels of relationship uh, where there's multiple different partnerships and, and you can um, experience those, those um, different dynamics and meeting people like on a whim. Uh, but I, with the hookup culture and what I feel that a lot of people are and what you're speaking of and what people uh, connect to is par in part is like the developmental stage of female sexuality. It's like, okay, so in the 60s, you know, we, we came out of this powerful movement to have uh, rights around our sexuality. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to fight to be like, no, I like the pendulum swing. It's like, I feel like I'm, I'm not in control of my body. So I'm going to pendulum swing into, I have total control in my body and I'm just going to do these things and I'm going to do the thing of connection and then I'll get something from that. But what can happen is you notice that there's a depletion and it's not really working for you. The other thing that drives people to do that is women tend to get the message that their worth is their sexuality and that they're a two-dimensional sex object that's for the male gaze. Like, mm. And so when there is this like wired imprint of that, it's like, okay, well, we have natural needs of love, safety, and belonging. And if we think that this is the way that we can get love, safety, and belonging, because that's how culture recognizes me, it recognizes me as a sexual being, I'm a body that is used, I'm supposed to, you know, that, that's when my worth kind of came around for, for a lot of people, is like, okay, well, I'm gonna do this one night stand um, hookup or connect with someone because I actually, what I really want is love and intimacy, but I don't know how to get that love and intimacy. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna, you know, do the thing that I'm watching that's in media and that's being portrayed to me or in magazines that's telling me to go and do those things but then yeah you you don't know how to back out you're like I actually don't really feel complete in this situation but there's a deeper drive of I actually want to feel love mm -hmm. and I don't know how to even communicate that so I'm going to go through the process of it but and both partners are leaving not sure why that depth of connection didn't happen mm -hmm. and so it's just again a lack of information yeah and uh, it's Lack of information and not even being able to like give the mass people the tools and the words of the communication that they even need to. Yes. A lot of what I learned, obviously like most of what I learned was through experience and talking with people and doing these things, but I learned going through like being more open in sexuality, more open in sex, is that I was able to better communicate because I do feel that if once you are more honest with yourself and your sexual self, Overall, you can be more honest to communicate with yourself, with the people around you, and it's one of those things, like, once you rebalance yourself there, your whole world can almost change overnight. Like, yeah. it, like easier said than done, but it can bring up such dramatic change so quickly. Oh, my God, yeah. I, I've, had, I've worked with clients who are compl completely feel no pleasure. They think that they're entirely broken. I do a simple practice with them when they're, you know, laying on their back. I guide them through meditation. Um, uh, my work is online, so we do one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching, and I will ask them to turn off their camera so that they feel more private in their space. And I'll simply get them to roll their pelvis like honey slow in one direction and honey slow in another direction and to just allow, give themselves permission to feel pleasure just mm -hmm. to feel it. Mm -hmm. And they're, and oftentimes like there's tears. They're just like, I've never just felt 
pleasure just to feel it. Like typically my relationship with it is it's a currency. I need to use it because then I'll get love, safety, and belonging and a house and shelter, maybe some income because I already have a belief that I won't make as much income because I'm in a female body. So then that puts dangers out. And it's just like, it's just like, oh, this is for me to feel like I, like I can do that. And so when that, when you talk about the sexuality and coming back into wholeness, like Absolutely. Your sense of self-worth and self-esteem because you're tapped into the most, like one of, if I, I'm trying to even think of what is the like, most powerful things about us, but it's definitely one of the most powerful things about us. You just are connected to truth. Mm-hmm. You're like, I know what I need in this moment and, and I can handle someone not being okay with my needs and feel the feelings around that, but still know what I need and make that choice. Yeah. And that's power. I well reclaiming your uh, sexuality is power like I do feel like um, it's power to have a space to be able to meet the other versions of yourself and to meet these mm-hmm. other ways and if you don't have an outlet and that's another thing that I find is sabotage to tell adults that like, you aren't allowed to use your imagination to bring out other versions of yourself like yes. we all think things whether it's good bad grotesque beautiful everything in between and I really feel like I'm a big believer you have to let those things transcend, but when you don't have an outlet to transcend them, they just stick with you and weigh you down and they're heavy and you move slower and it just, again, it comes down to one simple sentence, hey, make your sex life creative and whatever that means to you, but when you're withholding that or, again, making someone feel shameful about it or you can't do it, again, like we mentioned with the movies, making you feel this sense of this is scary, um it's hard to break through to someone because they adopt this identity of, well, this is just me. This is just who I am. Yes. Doctor told me so. Yeah. It's also easier on your body and your nervous system to take on the belief that this is just the way I am mm-hmm. than to actually fundamentally believe that um, that I'm unworthy of something, that I'm like incapable of it. It's just like, oh, I'm just, that's the way I am. So that you can continue moving forward because it actually creates a lot of stress in your body to keep thinking about why, why something's not working. And so you, on like a psychosomatic level, just kind of like, I'm not going to even listen to it. And that's actually one of the first things that I recommend for people who are dealing with this sabotage around their body and their sexuality is starting to reconnect and communicate more to your genitals, Mm -hmm. to your heart, to your body, to your breasts, to whatever, to start to hear like what are the innate messages that this intelligence center is actually asking of me to, to connect to. Well, even with that, like the other parts of your body, like also with sex, that during sex, there's other parts of your body you should also focus on in the sense of there's an entirety of your body, like from your pinky to your shoulder to your toes to the top of your feet. And so I find that that's something I also am like, what areas are you focusing on? Because there's a lot of other areas. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other senses. I do feel like within sex, we're taught to only focus so much on the, on touch. Yeah when there's so many other senses that you can be bringing into it. One, yeah. to make it more creative, but two, because you should. Like, yeah. it's a more fulfilling experience at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, something um, that kind of came forward for me around the sabotage, I watched a documentary last night. I think it's called Pamela Anderson's The Love Story. And um, I find it fascinating because the documentary to me displays to me an aspect of our pop culture which glorifies this maiden... Um, uh, sexified, ob- objectified, you know, you, you, your sex is the material, the money, like this is where people are, we're going to make money off you, that kind of thing. 
and um, she was a, an iconic sex symbol. And a lot of people can create a lot of experience from that. When they watch that, they can feel their own shadow around like, who does she think she is? Like, why does she have implants? Like, why is she feeling like a sexual being? You know, these different things, right? So people can really like, like, like you're kind of gross. Or some people are like, wow, that's amazing that you can choose that. Um, I, so there's this rewarding in our culture of that. But then what the documentary was talking about was how this sex tape was stolen out of their home of um, her and her husband at the time. Uh, I know he's a drummer. What is his name? Tommy Lee? I don't know. Yeah, is I think right? so. Yeah. I think he was. <laughs> um, uh, stolen out of their home. And then was uh, they were propositioned with money to be able to get the tape back or something of that nature uh, uh, to not be publicized. And even though they lived a very sexual life and they showed their body and all these things, that was a violation because mm -hmm. that was stolen from their home. And they were very serious about that. They took it to court. Like there was a lot of issues. She had a miscarriage over that uh, per period of situation because oh, it was wow. very stressful. But what happened afterwards is her husband, because he was a male and he was a rock star, he was glorified as this like, yeah, you're a prized winner, like you're you're an amazing guy. Whereas her career went down. It was like, oh, like you, you being a sexual um, a woman and having that video out there, now your your career is going to spiral out of control and down. And I find that interesting. And I find like all of that shows this sense of sabotage around like okay, as a female body, I better not be too sexual because I will lose a lot of things if I am that, if I am that way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yet uh, it seems that you will get more income and ability to have a freer life if I am a sex icon mm -hmm. and I do flaunt my body. So it's like this, this push-pull experience and it, it's like, what, what do you digest? Like, how do you relate to that? You know? And it's, uh, also a dangerous trap that once you get sucked into it, it's very difficult to leave mm -hmm. from some of the research that I've seen. Just even with the onset of OnlyFans and the younger women that are going on mm -hmm. and they want to get out of OnlyFans, but they can't because they're so they're living this lifestyle that only OnlyFans can fill in for them. And another, uh, another thing that I learned through all this actually is that the WHO doesn't classify sex as an addiction. Um, and I learned that while I was going through a porn addiction class. Um, I was doing a podcast on it. And I found that interesting because I do feel that it should be somewhat as like, yes, I saw that there was evidence that there's addiction to sex and the maybe it's the feelings that you get out of it or whatever it is, this constant chasing for it. But when it's becoming destructive to your life on the same levels that other addictions are, mm -hmm. especially because I do find that porn addictions are so readily available on another level that other drugs aren't. Even with other drugs or alcohol, you still have to go out to go get it. Yeah. But on this, you just have to go into your phone and pull out. Yeah. Um, but did you have any information? You mentioned something that there may have been a reason why that wasn't classified as an addiction. Yeah, so um, the pharmaceutical... So when pornography came out, uh, there was a lot of money to be made off of it. And they noticed that that a lot of people are wanting and are curious about their sexuality, so they're looking at pornography. Uh, there was this huge um, expansion around pornography and making that available. But then when men started to not have erections and start and the rise of depression, not being able to focus, suicide rates were going up as well, uh, having to use different pharmaceutical medication to be able to help with the depression aspect of it, um, 
they started to go, okay, whoa, there's something wrong here. We need to study this. And so what they studied was through pornography, there was this uh, overuse of dopamine that was creating an imbalance that was causing men in particular uh, to not be able to operate function um, well in life, but also having issues with erections. They noticed that by men cutting out that over time, many of them were able to stop taking pharmaceutical medication uh, and that they were able to get more focused and find a sense of purpose and all these things and actually re-establish uh, a connection to their penis and their erections and their sexuality. Uh, so the I think that the reason why it's not labeled as a, 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 an addiction is a couple different things. I think that there's a lot of money to be made off of pornography. I think that the pharmaceutical medication that is being used to help treat these different things, I think that there's money to be made there. I also think that we just generally have still a long-standing uh, uh, legacy of shame around the body. Like people are just like, I don't want to talk about it. Like it's just not, it's just not something that I want to, you know, incorporate. And like, it's so tough to say certain things about it because a lot of it comes from your own personal experience. But I, in some cases, I've often thought like, you know, it's much easier to control people when they're not connected to their sexuality mm -hmm. and they're not able to like connect to whatever. And it's like, you know, that many different things can be thought about even that sentence. Like what is control? Is this something that's happening? I don't know, but I do know that connecting back to your sexuality, you have way more empowerment and control. So it's like, well, if you don't, then what happens? Are you yeah. more susceptible to different things? Can people monetize off of that? I absolutely believe that. I think that it's in other people's best interest at a higher level than we are at that, because there are people that control strings, like there are people that sit on the boards of this and study, okay, how can we make more sales? How can we do this? How can we do that? And it's in our songs as well on the radio, mm -hmm. some of the lyrics. And what happens is I do feel that people don't understand that when you are singing a song out loud, mm -hmm. you are you are actually manifesting those words out loud. So really watch the music that you listen to and that you say out loud. Yes. Maybe I'm a this might be a stretch here, but I genuinely do believe that. So mm -hmm. when you start listening to the lyrics that are on there and you're looking at the demographic who's listening to them in high school and what's happening, there's a direct connection there. And there's someone there that's doing, that's their job is yeah. to do that. And for better or for worse, like a, it is what it is, I guess, yes. at the end of the day. It just is what it is. Um, and so it's something to definitely be at least taken to some seriousness. Yeah. And it might answer some questions if you sit and reflect a little bit about maybe the music that you're listening to. Is it influencing how you are having sex, how you are looking at sex, how you view yourself as a sexual person as well? Mm -hmm. um, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, uh, the brainwave, when we hum or we sing or we're moving the body uh, or we're, we're, t we're experiencing pleasure or joy or just movement, we're, we're regulating our body in a way where we're tapping, in, tapping into the deepest parts of our nervous system. And when you're tapping into the deepest parts of your nervous system and you're imprinting with certain messages, that's gonna go deep and vice versa if you imprint with positive things. like So that's why sexuality is such a beautiful manifestation place as well because you're moving your body, you're connecting to pleasure, but maybe you just wanna feel profound love or you wanna have a vision of uh, love with your partner, a depth of intimacy. You're gonna tap into the deepest parts of your brain that are going to signal that it's safe to do that and you can start to experience it. But if you're tapping into that and saying that 
certain things are dangerous, your deepest parts of your nervous system are going to go, okay, I'm going to close to that intimacy. I'm going to close to that human relationship. Mm -hmm. And so it can work in both ways and how we exactly saying I absolutely agree with that yeah well we don't promote um we don't promote intimacy I don't believe that we actually mm -hmm. promote safe and secure and loving forms of intimacy I feel like we have structured or at least built up a little bit of a society where we're making people more and more afraid of intimacy afraid of connecting whatever that looks like but it's just it's there that hesitancy to be vulnerable with yes. somebody else and that word vulnerability is something that people need to bring back into their language I think especially around their sexuality because you cannot get into a space without being vulnerable you have to shed you have to bring that wall down yes yeah absolutely and I'm so excited when you say that because that's another reason why sexuality is so potent because why people don't want to connect on an intimate level is because if you can't be intimate with your whole self, like I mean like your animal, your primal, your emotional, your thoughts, like if you're not in right relation or just even intimate with yourself, mm -hmm. you cannot be intimate with another. Mm -hmm. And you and when you're with in partnership, if you can you can feel whether another person is comfortable enough to see all of you. Yeah. And so sexuality allows you to go down and into the deepest parts of yourself and then that's where intimacy is. And I think people get really tripped up because they're like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to this workshop and we're doing this eye gazing thing, but then when we do the eye gazing thing, all of a sudden there's like this, oh shit, I'm feeling a lot of fear. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how to handle that. Oh, I can't. I don't feel comfortable to show how much fear I feel in front of my partner. It's like that. There's there's the the block, mm -hmm. and then you got to go into that and go keep going in because mm -hmm. it's like, can you see all of me? Yeah. And can I see all of you? Like that's well. The there's a really beautiful quote that it was something along the lines that you can't really fall in love with someone until you see their dark sides because mm -hmm. once. Unless you've stood inside of their darkness, like the lightness, you don't, that's just part of them. And so it's actually quite fake. A lot of our yes. niceness I find is fake. Um, that might be kind of harsh, but we have to be fake outside of anytime you leave your house, mm -hmm. anytime you're in front of coworkers, whatever. You might love your coworkers, but you might not just be in the mood to be like, I just don't want to be here. Um, so all of those little micro things, they weigh down. Yeah. And so, like, again, like I, I guess in BDSM and kink, I do feel like. If there was an outlet to say to people you are allowed to be angry somewhere safe and consenting, that would also help a lot of people because anger is one of those things and aggression that I feel that people do. Anger, fear, they just don't want to deal with it at all, so they just shut it down completely. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't shut it down. It will come up somewhere else. No, it's a universal human experience. It's not going to go away. It mm -hmm. is a conscious living experience. Anger, resentment, jealousy, like all of these things that we consider dark are part of our human experience and if we can just open to them mm -hmm. we're not fighting with them they actually become a wellspring of energy and resource it's like oh this is an energy that is just existing okay how can i dance with this okay mm -hmm. cool like amazing but to your point around um this putting the smile on i can't tell you how many times i've been in a workplace where it's just like i i've typically it's, it's, it's a man but <laughs> it's a man that will come to me and just say oh just smile mm. and it's like like okay like I, is it okay that I have like a resting face at this moment or, like, or, or am I just here for your objective you know like beauty because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm to be something that you extract from because you don't know how to access that yourself mm -hmm. and so I need to be that for you and I'm, I'm trained everyone is trained to understand that that's what you should be and yeah. so have that smile on you're here to feel that and it's just like yeah it's this surface level thing and then we're all suffering in our intimacy absolutely well the toxic positivity movement around sex I feel like is also 
Like, it's okay to say, hey, this isn't okay. This yes. is not working for me. Yeah. Um, I do feel that partners, like, they, it, so you don't want to hurt anybody. Nobody wants to hurt. I don't think humans intently want to hurt people, and I think that's why it's so difficult because it's, if I say, hey, this is a problem, people will put up these walls, and it's like, for whatever reason, and again, it always comes back to you just didn't know. You just didn't know, but again, it's we should know everything. I think people think that they should know more about sex than they actually do. Yes. Like we've been told, oh, you should just know that by now. Yeah. You're of certain age. You should know that. It's like, actually, that's so wrong because at some point, if you didn't learn it while you're younger, I do believe society just is like, well, you got what you got. That's it. You're not allowed to learn anymore when it comes to sex, and they've just closed it off completely. Yeah. So it comes into, again, like self-exploration. It takes a lot for someone to come to come to the realization that they need to take care of it as well. Yes, um, and I, I love that comment because I think that that is also this, this weird, elusive, like this... Um, like this vapid way of uh, sabotaging ourselves because we are given this message that you just need to be sexual, like just do the thing. Mm -hmm. But we're not given this information and like we don't learn how to exercise. Like no. well, we don't learn how to eat well. We actually have to... We, we, or, or breathing, or, breathing, breathing. Yeah, Can we yes. talk about breathing? Like we don't know how to do anything. Like I just got into breath work recently and I know mm -hmm. this is off topic from sex, but breath work has changed my life. Like just even the short amount of time that I've been doing it. And it's just, again, that came through a stem of going through... The sexual wellness journey eventually of just reclaiming all parts of your body of how you use it like sexually yes. breathing eating everything sitting certain positions that we shouldn't be in that 90 percent of us are in all the time you should like sitting like it's one of those things it's not natural for us yes so yeah. um That's yeah i'm so fidgety even <laughs> like i need something to be up but yeah of course no so uh sex is definitely one of them and it it takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. It's work, and I think people need to know that too. Mm -hmm. It is effort. There is pain involved when you go through your sexual wellness journey to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, there's this like Disneyism that happens in life too that we get a lot of programming from. Like, we get the story that there's this knight in shining armor that's going to save you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we watch television shows where it's like, oh, like this just happens. Like, you get a house and then this emotional thing happens because I watch that. But no, it's not. It's, it's actually real life is real work. And the, the, the sadness around that and the thing that I, that um, I feel I feel deeply for is this like s this side swipe into your life and you're going along you're doing these things and you're like I'm not happy and it's yeah. like because there was there's work required to build um, your sexuality relational capacity um, facing and, those fears like facing yeah. those negative emotions that you're told not to yes yeah mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. But that is about as much time as I think we have today. I love having you on the show. Honestly, I'm going to bring you back over and over again. Um, is Where can my followers find you? Yes, so I have an Instagram account. That's where I post a lot of informational videos uh, to really help people with their sexuality. It is um, the at symbol Megan Millington Coaching. And then there is uh, MeganMillington.com where you can reach me on my website. Uh, I work one-on-one -on -one with people and really help to restore them back into their body, but also back to their uh, erotic intelligence. Wonderful. For everyone listening, we're going to put everything into the comments so you can find us and keep up to date. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay kinky.